just educate yourself in multifamily. And then from there, find what piece that fits your skill set. Are you ready to change your life? Welcome to the Multifamily Investor Ladies Podcast, sponsored by Freedom Capital Investments and Berkwood Capital. Your hosts, Linda Brooks and Lisa Hill, are two dynamic multifamily investor syndicators who combined have more than 400 doors in their portfolio and growing. Join them on their journey as they show you it's never too late to get started in multifamily real estate investing. And they'll show you how to do it successfully as a passive investor. And now, here are your hosts, Linda and Lisa. Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm Lisa Hill, your co-host. And I'm Linda Brooks, your other co-host. We're so excited to have you join us for our Multifamily Investor Ladies podcast. We are multifamily apartment investor syndicators. So what does that mean? That means we research, we find, we analyze, and we raise capital or funds with our passive investor partners to acquire large value-add multifamily apartment buildings. And we're going to show you how it's never too late to learn and earn passive income through multifamily real estate investing. Think about it. You get educated, you invest, and then you earn income every quarter. And we've done it. Linda and I have done it by getting educated about multifamily real estate investing. We find good brokers, good properties, good partners, and good sponsors. And speaking of good partners, let's introduce you to our fabulous CPA. We have with us today, Larry Pendleton. Larry is the co-founder and senior partner of PC Financial Services, LLC. Larry has been a CPA for over 10 years with experience in tax consulting and preparation, accounting and financial statement auditing. He brings over five years of real estate experience as a multifamily investor involved in syndications, joint ventures, tax strategies, and investor relations. Larry also holds key finance and accounting positions for several real estate investment firms and adds value by implementing the same tax strategies that he recommends to his clients. Welcoming my kindred spirit, Larry. Uh, uh, good morning, ladies. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm excited to be on and uh, looking forward to adding value where I can. Yeah, I appreciate it. you got a very impressive background, Larry. So before we get started in the details, tell us um, what else would you like our listeners to know about who you are and what you do? Uh, born and raised out of uh, Norfolk, Virginia, Hampton Road, so oh, southeastern yeah. Virginia, uh, mm-hmm. if anyone interested in the area. Mm-hmm. As mentioned for over 10 years in accounting as a, as a CPA as well. I've held several positions in public accounting firms as well as publicly owned companies as well as uh, privately held owned companies as well. I got involved with real estate actually with my my tax partner, uh, Terry on Conyers, roughly five years ago um, when he kind of put the real estate bug in my ear. And the, the, the funny thing is real estate was always something I recommended to our clients, um, but I had just a limited mindset at the time and never thought about uh, applying it for myself. So, and uh, a fear aspect of it as well. But I mean, once I actually did it and it was a, a single family uh, buying hold that I still have today, cash flowing $300 a month. Uh, once I started to uh, see the benefits of it, um, how tax advantage uh, real estate can be, especially rental, um, rental real estate. Uh, decided to dive in. And um, now I, I want to as mentioned, the strategy that I put for myself, um, I want to or I- implement and recommend to clients that uh, they're interested in learning more about real estate as well. 
Very cool. Very cool. It is amazing. Go ahead, Linda. I think you have a question about multifamily real estate. Yeah, I do. Larry, tell us what led you into multifamily real estate. I know you talked about briefly how you got into real estate, um, but what led you into multifamily real estate? And then tell us a little bit about how that ties into your tax practices. It came with a scalability aspect of it. Um, you, I think we all, you know, a lot of your listeners probably read the uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad and a whole bunch of different uh, real estate moguls. And and you, you hear about your financial freedom number or however people want to put a freedom number to get out of your W-2 job and or have your uh, rental real estate surpass your, your W-2 income. Mm-hmm. And um for me, it's like, okay, the single family one was working working well, and most likely any single family uh, rental property will get you maybe 100 to $500 a month, uh, depending on the rents, the area, and whatnot, but uh, it's, it's not going to be something huge unless you completely, uh, there's no mortgage on the property, you're self-managing, and so forth, and I do not manage any of my properties. It's not, not my forte. Um, so... So you start hearing about scalability and I said, it really started like listening to folks like Michael Blanc. Once again, getting beyond that limiting mindset of it doesn't have to be, I got to start this small and kind of work my way up. Like, like no, I can jump straight into a, a large multifamily um, uh, as long as I'm well-educated on, on the matter there. Um, and, and, just, and just for the sake of being able to teach uh, my two sons that, and give them the opportunity to kind of, they want to jump straight into it. They can, they want to do single family, they can, but you don't have to go through one to get to the other. It's educate yourself on one and then uh, drive forward with that. Exactly. I was, I was going to ask you how that managing that, that one house was, uh, did you get that 3am, you know, broken water heat call, heater call. Uh, But it sounds like you have, you have somebody managing it. So you don't have to get those calls, right? Right. Single families. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So I think as a CPA, though, and to a CPA to multifamily real estate investors or real estate investors, period, what would you say is your greatest value that you give them, that you provide your clients? I understand your experience. Are you do you attend conferences? Do you stay up to date? Well, you know, the lady, the changing tax laws, that kind of thing. Yeah, so uh, the initial thing that I provide is peace of mind and convenience. Well, a lot of people uh, realize when, especially where they're building real estate or or whatever business, is that okay? There are like your the CEO of the company that you work for isn't doing accounts payable uh, or isn't doing payroll. Um, there are just certain things like you you have a business in place and, and, and sooner or later you have to delegate certain things and you have to delegate those to people that you that you trust and, and, and they are knowledgeable in what they do. So I provide that peace of mind and convenience to them in regard to tax strategies of over their rental uh, real right. estate. And no matter what size it is, like I won't say it's all the same to me, but it's like, okay, I can, I can kind of get to a particular pigeonhole. So now I can focus primarily on tax strategies in rental real estate. That's the value that I provide. Like not only that I can find potential tax savings and, and ways to decrease your tax liability, decrease your effective tax rate, but it's also, okay, you're not having to dig through that and try to figure it out yourself. You can focus on what the reason why you got into real estate, which is or whatever business that you're doing. And you can focus on just building that business, not so much on the um, back office stuff like tax strategies and whatnot. 
Right, right. And then there's the issues of the K-1s and the LLCs. And when you have multiple, multiple properties, you should get it, put it in LLCs and separate LLCs. And so you got these different K-1s. You Do you help your clients deal with, with sorting that out right around tax time? Yeah. So initially we'll get them set up with, with an attorney that's, that specializes in real estate because as a CPA, in accordance to the AICPA, like we cannot help people set up entities. That is a legal matter, a legal structure matter. But but the thing is like the legal will initiate the conversation and then they'll bring somebody like me on. Okay. What is the appropriate tax, like tax structure that would need to be aligned with this legal structure so that they're not overpaying for too many tax returns. They got the right people and the, the proper allocations on the K-1s. If it is a, um, a whether it's a, a C corp or a LLC or tax as a, a as an S corp. And hopefully people are not putting properties <laughs> in an S corp. And like, and that's, like I said, that's kind of uh, more into the weeds there. Um, but from that standpoint, there's okay. Once legal and the county has aligned, okay, here is what's going to give you the proper protection that legal is saying, and then here's what's going to provide to maximize your, your your actual tax benefits, and that's where I come into play there. Got it. Got it. It's a lot of terms. <laughs> S corp, C corp, LLCs, and don't get me wrong. As educated multifamily real estate investors, we all know what that means. But if I'm a beginner. And I'm I'm talking to you for the first time. Tell me, tell me a little bit about um, how you make that sophisticated industry language plain for mm-hmm. those of us that may not um, fully understand uh, the necessities or the the steps required to have the the, the best tax plan in place. Right, right. family real estate investor. Right, and as a disclaimer, as I mentioned before, this is not not legal advice, and even the 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 tax information that I'm providing is more general, and people should speak with their own personal tax professional, whether it's a CPA or enrolled agent or just someone that that's really good at doing taxes. Um, they they should, should consult with that person on, on stuff that I mentioned up here. But if someone buys a property, a rental property in their name, uh, they're more they are considered as a um, sole proprietor, so like they're taking all like. It's, it's, it's in their personal name. If someone decides to sue you, you can have insurance and, and whatnot that can help as well in coverage and whatnot and talk to an insurance broker regarding that. But all that will still be reported on your personal tax return. There's not a separate business tax return once you have a, a property in place. And I say, even if it's a, even if it's a 20 unit and you just happen to buy it yourself, same aspect there. If you're working with legal and they decide to help you put into an LLC for asset protection purposes, okay, that will still, if you, and you're also as, as an individual, you're just buying it as yourself. Um, now, now it's no longer attached to your personal name, it's attached to your, your business name. But because it's just you and you are a single member LLC, you can report that directly, still report that directly on your personal uh, tax return. Mm-hmm. Um, I said, I said, that's if you're single, even if you're married, like if it's just, if it's just you and your spouse is not involved then like, it's, it's, it's all going to show up on your, on your schedule E on your personal tax return from the standpoint there. Now, if you are a part of a partnership, whether it's with one other person or 20 other people, um, then, okay, yes, now we got to file a 1065 business tax return. And then from that K ones are produced from that tax return, basically breaking out everyone's uh, whether it's a, a tax loss or, or or gain or loss reported uh, on that on that tax return, um, according to the operating agreement, like how everyone is supposed to get their portion, 
Everyone gets their respective K1s and they report that directly onto their um uh their uh, their personal tax returns there from that standpoint. And the reason and that why reduce I, yeah, reduces their taxes and you know, it's a it's a win win. Yeah. Right. Well not I, I won't say it reduces their taxes right away, because I said that's when okay, like that's when we kind of get into, okay, are we talking about is a gain in the business and the gain is now allocated and then the increase from there. And then you do have a, a bit of a rental. I mean, your rental income can increase, but like, gotcha. I, I don't want to get too much in the weeds. Gotcha. And we start talking about depreciation and cost <laughs> segregations and whatnot. And that's how you kind of, I guess what you're trying to get into is uh, how do people, and everyone's going to talk about $750 and we all know who we're talking about, mm-hmm. <laughs> but like how, like, how do you go from <laughs> making, for example, $10,000 in, in gross rents in a year and, but you're only showing a thousand, you're showing a thousand net loss mm-hmm. and, but you only had, let's just say 50% of that went to, um, op- actual cash out of pocket operating expenses. Mm-hmm. So you really have a net operating income of $5,000. So how am I saying that you can get a loss? That's when we start getting into depreciation, which is the basically the wear and tear. I would just say depreciation. You are buying rental property and you are supplying housing to the masses, to the public. You are partnering with the government uh, and the government incentivizes people in multiple realms. And, and, and if you just go through the tax code, it's, it's really more just an incentive plan. If you're investing in if you're investing in big business and, and you, you're providing a lot of jobs, food, water, energy, um, and housing, the tax code is set up in a way where the government is saying, okay, now okay, you're partnering with us to provide a service to the public, and we want to incentivize people to do that. We want to reward you for basically helping the government out um, because we do not want to do a whole bunch of, we just, we just <laughs> I guess I should stop. <laughs> <laughs> but in that standpoint, here's one thing we're going to provide. We're going to buy this thing called depreciation. So depending on what you buy, the building itself, the, the, the assets within it, um, you can depreciate that over a certain amount of years based off the cost. So basically that becomes, you can't, you just can't buy a hundred thousand dollar apartment building and then write off a hundred thousand dollars in one year. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Um, so it's saying, okay, you can take that amount d- divided by 27 and a half years. It's for uh, a residential apartment building. And then you can recognize that as a non-cash expense every year until it is, is fully depreciated at that point. So how does that become so incentivized? Because you're not, unless you got it, you have, you got a hundred thousand to just kind of dump on the building and like, boom, <laughs> at that point there, and like more power to you. Yeah. But most likely you're only putting about 20% down, 20, 25% down, and you got a mortgage on that property. Now you can write off the interest. You can't write off the principal. Now you're accelerating the returns because you're claiming this additional loss. Now back to our uh, $10,000 example. Uh, so $10,000 of, of gross rents for the year, $5,000 of, 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 of operating expenses. These are just examples, small numbers. But with the the depreciation that's, that's calculated on the building, um, and let's say we get into a cost segregation and we start breaking the components down of the building of, okay, here are the land improvements. Here are the, the equipment. So now you got accelerated depreciation and then with the 2017 um, 
tax cuts uh, that that occurred. Then it also applies for certain items ap- apply for bonus depreciations. Now you can recognize more in one year uh, than than you have to. So now you can possibly get to six thousand dollars of of depreciation, which takes your five thousand net operating income down to a negative one thousand dollar tax loss. Mm-hmm. And then that will once again K ones if if you're in the partnership. Everyone gets their portion, and then depending, and I said, and we can really. I know we got a time limit here, and as you can see, like I can start getting to the weeds real quick because that doesn't automatically mean that you can uh, reduce your taxes, but it does mean that the income that you made will not be taxed because real rental income real estate is tax advantage in that way where you can you can. You're not taxed on the gross, you're taxed on the net. Mm-hmm. And including that net is any other non-cash depreciation as well. Got it. Got can, it. can I say that as a fellow CPA, I truly appreciate that example <laughs> that you provided to our <laughs> listeners. Um, I probably would have probably used more convoluted terms. So thank you for keeping it simple for those of us that may not know what depreciation is and what it does for us real estate investors. Well, 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 thank my wife for that, because she has to sit here and listen to me <laughs> talk about this stuff all the time. And she was like, you have to clear this up if you're going to tell people this, like, like you're like you because she, she knows how my mind works. And like, I can get very technical. Um, it was like, if you're going to be a bridge for people that that don't do this to get into this, like you have to you have to not dumb it down, just explain it a different way. Uh, other than someone sitting in their accounting class, which is why they got out of accounting in the first place. <laughs> right, right, right. That is true. Well, thank you, Mrs. Pendleton. <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. That's cute. All right. So we have one final question for you. You have dropped so many nuggets uh, for our listeners today and for us as well. Um, what is the one last thing that you would like to share with our listeners as a tip? Or, or for anyone that's new or considering uh, getting into passive multifamily real estate investment as a viable option for their next step in the investment space. Am I limited to just one? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because there, there's, there's so many aspects to it where you two mentioned it in, in your intro where you, you all talk about you educate yourselves. That is a critical component there. Like just educate yourself in multifamily. And then from there, find what piece that fits your skill set. Because there's multiple skill sets to this. And I know it, it, in my intro, it talks about me doing syndications and joint ventures and underwriting and, and capital raising. But like those are all separate components that someone can bring value to a team. Um and there was a quote I just happened to read this this morning is like, don't see the strength in other people as a um, a competition to your to to your power. Like make it like make it as a comp- a complimentary to your to your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And I said there there's a lot of weaknesses I have. I am strong in the accounting tax strategy aspect of multi real estate. So what I do is, as I said, my partner Terry on Connors from PC Financials. He's also my real estate partner as well in CP Realty and Next Level Investments. He is strong in the contractors, making sure the work is getting done. Just being like, he's a class A contractor. So he G, he G sees everything that we do strong. He is strong in that where I am weak. And I have a, a wonderful uh, flip story that, <laughs> that would be a prime example of that. Um, but like we complement each other very well in those, in those aspects. And like the conversation are not easy all the time and it shouldn't be. It provides growth for the both of us. 
Um, so I would say start with that. Like educate yourself, yes, on real multifamily real estate. Then from there, dig deeper into okay, who you are as a person, know what your strong suits are, mm-hmm. and then find where okay, oh man, I can I can deal with investor relations. Like I like I like talking with people and and, and explaining to them how this can be. I'm not asking them for money. I am actually providing them opportunity. I can do that rather rather fluently uh, as well uh, from that standpoint there. So that that's where, especially if you're going to try, people try to reach out to mentors and all that, like you have to be able to provide value. Once you can educate yourself, then you can, you can talk to other people to be potential partners. You can talk to potential mentors and it's like, but you don't have to pay a whole bunch of money to be for them to be your mentors. You can actually like work out a deal. Like I'll do this for you. Just teach me all these other aspects of it or how to connect with the right people. The mindset is another thing. And because real estate, no matter which part of real estate, and just even if you just kind of start your own business, just in life in general, just look at 2020. <laughs> right. Like, like it's, but especially in real estate, since we're talking about that, like it will chew you up and spit you out. And there have been times that I have came close to quitting. I've came close to quitting the, the CPA thing because I didn't, I didn't have the proper mindset into doing it. I'm good at what I do. It was just the, the actual running the business part of it. Once I figured out where I wanted to kind of take a positive outlook at this, even throughout the bad, like take those those things that that slapped me around and see those and Rock Khalif called those um seminars, those learning events, and then applying that where it's like, okay, this didn't work. Okay, there's abundant amount of other opportunities and strategies I could have gone with. Why I get so caught up in the negative of what happened here? Let's learn from it. Let's pick up the pieces. Um, let's wipe the blood from my face, and then I'm gonna go try it from from this angle there. So, just having that positive mindset of abundance because it's not going to come quick. Um, it's not going to come easy. You're going to get a lot of no's. Everybody can't be like Linda and then take a break from real estate and come back and close on large apartment buildings right <laughs> off the break. <laughs> so, so you have to grind through it. That would be the second as- aspect there. Um, and then also just in, along with the, the partnering and whatnot and is the, the delegation of it. I said mm-hmm. like the aspect of having a CPA is like, yes, it's not sexy. It, 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 I won't say it doesn't bring in money because that actually is the responsibility of the person that you're, that you're doing in your, your tax um, consulting from, whether it's me or whoever, like I'm not here to, to, to pick up clients. I'm here to educate people on the fact that whoever you bring in, like how are they bringing value? Okay, as I mentioned before, you can sit there and net $5,000 for in our example. If you don't got the proper person in that position to help strategize and how to mitigate that, you're going to pay taxes on that $5,000, whether as a whole or your particular portion. And there's ways to get it down even further. Uh, so that, that would be... Um, that would be the tips. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. That's great stuff. I know, I agree. I think one of the things we know is that this multifamily real estate investing is not solo activity. It is a team sport. And so you mentioned that there are different talents and you you all have the same goal, but they're different uh, hubs, you know, leading to that wheel. And, or, or, and so, uh, and it's good to find out what you're strong in and what you're, you're not so strong in. I know I've discovered that I am not necessarily strong in analyzing. Those numbers go right through my brain over my brain. And so I just, and so, uh, and so that's why Linda and I are together. <laughs> Love the numbers. <laughs> 
<laughs> so uh, thank you, Larry. I really, I think, Linda, this was a wonderful uh, podcast, a wonderful lesson, and we appreciate your insight on uh, multifamily real estate investing from a CPA's perspective and uh, what it means for the passive investor. Go ahead and let us, uh, our audience know how they can get in touch with you. Uh, yes, uh, you can reach out to me directly. I'll give my cell phone number, 757-535-8592. I, I, I give that all the time. I do tell people it's best to text me first. Like If you just call, I do not answer numbers that I don't recognize. <laughs> but, sure. if you leave, but if you leave a voicemail, I'll get back to you in 48 hours. Um, you can also email me at Larry at nextlevelinvestmentsva.com. But please reach out to me. I'm on I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. Just just Larry Pendleton. Like you, Larry, I'm also CPA, but my expertise is not real estate investment or taxes in that manner. And so I defer to professionals uh, like Larry um, Kindred Spirits that have that level of expertise in that area that I don't. So to your point, Larry, know your strengths, know your weaknesses, and you pull in those partners that compliment you, Lisa, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> to piggyback off what you just said, um, and I mentioned before about finding the right CPA, like people tend to see CPAs as these like all-knowing tax code individuals. And some are, but they end up being just real jack of all trades, master of none. And I'm trying to be a master into this. So, but also look at it as TPAs are similar to attorneys, doctors. So if you have a, if you have a toothache, you're not going to go to a foot doctor. Right. They're right. both, they're both doctors. They're both smart. They, they both know what they do, but one is not going to be able to help you with your, with your, with your, with your toothache. Right. And, and same thing. I think I don't know anything about sales tax. I don't know anything about like opening up a restaurant or, or whatnot there. If they're if their restaurant wants to buy a building for their restaurant, then I can come help. You you really have to interview and know and build a relationship with the person that's going to oversee stuff. It's, first of all, there's a lot of sense of information that's involved, but you don't want to get caught in the web of someone who is just giving general knowledge and not like focusing on the, the aspects that's going to help you. Thank you again. We will be sure to post Larry's information on our website. So please do go ahead and visit us there at multifamilyinvestorladies.com to uh, get in touch with us and uh, obtain Larry's information. Yep. And to show our appreciation. Thank you for joining us, Larry, and to show our listeners, our podcast listeners, an appreciation for joining us. We'd like to offer a very special gift all you got to do is be the first person to contact us through our website, multifamilyinvestorladies.com. We're going to be sure to send you a free copy of a fantastic book on passive investing the multifamily way. So until next time, remember, it's never too late to start investing with the multifamily investor ladies. Thanks a mill for listening. For more information about today's episode, learn more about passive multifamily real estate investing or to reach Linda or Lisa directly. Visit us on the web at multifamilyinvestorladies.com. Thanks a mill for joining the Multifamily Investor Ladies podcast, sponsored by Berkwood Capital and Freedom Capital Investments. Your hosts, Lisa Hill and Linda Brooks, remind you it's never too late to get started on your multifamily real estate investing journey. And they'll show how to do it successfully as a passive investor. We'll see you next time.